All right. Welcome, everybody. This is the Joe Danier podcast. I'm Joe Danier, your host. Talk about things that are interesting to me and hopefully through this format, able to maybe, you know, spark some interest. Maybe I'm a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit of a catalyst to make you do different things and make you say, you know, think different things. Um, so today's uh, topic is sort of, you know, I see a lot of suffering and a lot of people in different industries that are not having a very easy go at things. Um, I'm myself, I've, I've, made myself into a person that excels the more friction that you have. So I actually welcome friction into my world because I'm really good at taking it into my friction machine. And when it comes out the other side, I make practical things. So my friction machine doesn't uh, make, uh, it doesn't make me miserable. It, it, It doesn't make me suffer. And so I think a lot of what I intend to do uh, with public speaking, getting in front of people who might uh, be fumbling a whole lot is maybe, maybe it's not a lack of information. I don't think that, you know, if, if you wanted to know how to do anything through YouTube and social media and just connecting with people, the information is there. So it's not a lack of connecting and getting to the how, right? Um, what's, so what's keeping a lot of people from achieving those things? You, you know, w- what are our tendencies? We we get tempted into drama. Like, you know, we look at other people's lives and and we get sucked into it. I have this rule that if I'm driving down the highway and I see someone broke down, I have two choices. Either I look and gawk at the drama that I see of someone being broken, broken down and I stop and I help them. Or if I have no intention of helping them, I need to keep my eyes straight and I need to go, you know, pay attention to my own lane. And through that practice, I deprive myself of drama. I don't live vicariously through drama. Why? Because I feel like when you are attracted to it, you attract it to yourself. You know how many people that um, would consider that attracted to drama as luck in air quotes and how often that drama visits them? But when you kind of watch the, uh, to how they attract that, they're, they're constantly paying attention to it. What would happen if you took a dramatic effect and you deprived your body, the chemical reactions to what, what it is that you see? Now, this is sort of feels like I'm blaming people for their own drama. Um, I am just, you know, reverse engineering what I see happening. So part of, a, part of a, my business process is before I go and invent a new philosophy, I, I check to see if there's a philosophy that already exists. And if somebody's are doing something that exists, it's easier for me to emulate what somebody's already done, try to figure it out be, instead of just saying, hey, what I'm dealing with is so unique. Nobody has ever come in contact with this kind of challenge before. I need to put such a unique perspective. No, I mean, it's a waste of time to be able to reinvent the wheel. So what I, what I basically do in this case is you can do it on the positive side. If I'm a marathon runner and I look to see what marathon runners do, and I just take everything a marathon do, runner does and do all of that, I become a marathon runner. It's not, and, but the reverse process is the same. What if you're sick all the time? Or what if you're always uh, always getting people angry at you? And, and you can reverse engineer that the same way. Take somebody who's always in bad shape and do everything they do, and you probably will be in bad shape. There's really no such thing as luck. You just can do thousands of things every day that make things less likely or more likely for things to occur. And that's not to say that, you know, it's a one time you, you know, play one lottery ticket and you win or you make one bad decision and you lose. Uh, It's to say that on the aggregate, when you average everything down, people who, you know, have lots of good things happen, 
is because that they're the sum of their decisions and the sum of their choices add up to those things happening. It's not that they don't have any bad things, but it seems like people, some people have more of those good things or other people have more of those bad things. So what I don't like to see is people that I care about suffering. And when, if you're in an occupation or you're in a situation that you're just suffering, uh, I like to, you know, give people what they need to be able to escape that. Well, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these tendencies will ha- will return to them as soon as you pull them out. So you ever watch that uh, meme video where uh, the the sheep is stuck in uh, one of the uh, a rut, right? Uh, a drainage sort of like a drainage ditch. It jumps in there and got stuck. So the farmer goes in or somebody pulls him out of that drainage ditch and he bops around for a couple steps and then jumps right back in. Well, that's the tendency. If you don't convince someone that they're, they are causing a lot of those things or they inviting those things or making it really possible for those things to happen, right? Then they're going to just jump right back into the ditch as soon as you save them. They're not going to, you know, where they might've been appreciative that you lent them a hundred dollars. What's the chances that next week they're going to need another hundred dollars? Very, very likely, right? Because it's, and, and I'm telling you, the people who need this information the most will reject this information. They will think that it's luck or they think that they're being picked on or they think that they're not they're not responsible for those because it feels like it's punitive, like they're doing something wrong. Well, in my world, when you boil things down to math, math really doesn't know right or wrong. It just knows what, what is potential, what is a possibility. So if I wanted to be a marathon runner, I could do a bunch of stuff that you can agree that makes me more likely to be a marathon runner. Right. And you know that there's some stuff I could do that makes me least less likely to be a marathon runner. So, you know, they're going to tell you that it's possible that you do all the right things and you lose anyway, or you do all the wrong things and you win anyway, which they're absolutely right. And they're going to convince you that you have no controls, but look at the predicament they're in. So you can do nothing and just accept the fact that you're not in control and be a victim, or you can accept that you have somewhat of a chance to pull yourself up and, and, and put yourself in a, a better light to be discovered. So that's, a, that's a, actually a better analogy is that, you know, if you wanted to get an acting job, like you wanted to star in a movie, if you sit on your couch, you have a percentage chance of being discovered as an actor. Now, could you do anything to be noticed that somebody might hire you to be an actor? So the couch, we'll use couch, sitting on your couch and watching a movie as being the 0% standard. And then you have a hundred percent standard where you do one thing and you know, it's a for sure, which I can't even think of an example to make that happen other than maybe you get enough money and, and you produce your own movie and then you hire yourself as an actor and then you have a hundred percent chance of being it because you're in total control. So that there's my hundred percent standard and everything else you do, you're either starting at the couch or starting at the producer and you're working your way towards you know, whatever end that is. So we'll say most of you are not just doing couch. You're doing a little bit. You're not doing a lot. So you might be, you want to lose a hundred pounds and you're doing 50 things that give you a better chance of losing 50 pounds, but you're doing, 
you know, on a hundred things that are giving your chance, you uh, giving you a chance to just stay exactly where you are, and maybe even twenty things that are actually making things worse. So when you add up all those decisions, you're going to see just over small segments of percentages whether or not you're making progress towards something or not. And when you think about it like this, think about the dude who's feeling pretty bad for himself. He's in peril. He can't get out of it. He's blaming luck. And then you come along and say, "Hey, you know what? You're responsible for the predicament you're in. You need to start making better decisions." That dude's looking for a pill, right? He's looking for a a Hail Mary, one thing that's going to put himself. And that means, like, if he's in a bind with money, you give him money and he's out of peril because he thinks the situation, right, is the peril. And that might be the symptom of the peril, but the peril happens. So if you sped uh, down the highway, you went 70 miles an hour in a 60-mile-an-hour zone. You got a speeding ticket even if you didn't get a speeding ticket if you look at it like that like this percentage chance. So the longer you do 10 miles over the speeding limit, the more likely it is that you get a speeding ticket. So let's just say you went six months and you got no speeding ticket, but then you did five miles over the speed limit and you did get a speeding ticket. Well, in my eyes, I'm like, man, I got away with it for six months. It was only likely that that would happen uh, eventually. Right. And I would feel a little injustice that that was the least day that I sped but I got the ticket and I would feel like I'm a victim of speeding unless you looked at it on a larger landscape and know that, man, you really got super lucky that you get a ticket the first time you sped uh, and you ended up getting it when, you know, that would aggravate you the most, the deal. So that's really the, uh, you know, with intention of thinking like, what can you do to take someone, tell them that they're making poor decisions? You can't. Everybody that I've worked with has to hit bottom, give up on trying, and then come to you just in a, you know, sort of like a moment of total vulnerability and say, I am willing to do anything. Not I'm willing to do uh, up to a point where it becomes inconvenient or embarrassing or, uh, you know, uh, something that erodes some of their ego. Uh, this is somebody who loses it all and says, you know what, I'm nothing and I'm ready to come back from the phoenix, back from the ashes, and uh, I'm willing to do whatever you tell me. And the best successes have come from those people who lost it all. I would prefer, I'd much rather take someone. I've worked with addicts, people who are recovering from an addiction to a chemical substance that lost everything, family, lost their homes, lost their jobs, lost their friends, lost everything. And that's the beginning part of saying, okay, well, maybe I'm ready to get my stuff together. So, but you have to watch that when those people are coming back, that if they get comfortable, they're at their worst. So it's almost like if they're at their worst, they're actually at their best. And if they're at their best, they're actually at their worst. And so you can see like when they should be, they're buying when they should be selling and selling when, I'm, I'm sorry for all the uh, conflicting or mixed up metaphors. I'm trying to uh, pitch this in a way that it's super easy to, you know, to understand. And if there's anybody out there that in their mind they're objecting, they're going to hear one of these references and that one is not going to get their brain to trigger, kick it out of there. Because some of you just need to hear this, not be defensive, except that maybe I'm right and that you need to set the stage to be humble about it, Get check your ego Right. And it, because you're not you don't have to admit this in front of any other person, you just have to admit it. It's a you versus you game. You have to admit that every day everybody goes through their life. They're screwing things up on a regular basis and they're making really good decisions on a regular basis. If you can go and take the last 20 things that you did, identify them as something that you want to do versus you chose badly and you say, I'm going to eliminate 
uh, one thing that I hate that I did yesterday every day, and I'm going to add one more thing that I might have liked that I do every day, what ends up happening? You run out of the, the shitty stuff, the, the stuff that doesn't make you happy, and your day is filled with stuff that you chose to do. Now, what would happen if you then furthered that and took the good list and you took the least good thing on your list and removed it? So you're always hiring somebody new right? That has potential. And you're always firing somebody that's bad. You get to a certain point with that segment that you, you know, in the beginning you're firing your worst offenders. That's a, that's a no brainer. And maybe by the end you're firing someone who before is better than your, 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 your best person, like your worst person becomes your, your best person. So that, that's the sort of the, the, the moral of this story is when I, when I'm looking at saving people or, adding help or motivating or inspiring, there isn't a whole lot of demand. Like usually the people that are in the most demand for to be inspired or to be helped are the people who least need it. And the people who most need it will argue with me that they actually don't need it. And that's the frustrating part where I'm helping a bunch of people who are, uh, you know, borderline don't need my help. And I'm looking at somebody who I'm watching suffering and I have the answer in my hand, but just aren't ready to hear the example. So the help E sometimes is, is equally as frustrated as the helper uh, or one being helped um, just because of, of, of how close people are. Uh, I, I have a, a conference table where I sit down and help uh, aspiring entrepreneurs or people who have been in the game for a long time and they're hitting some struggles. Well, every once in a while, somebody sits down at the table who's actually in a better position than I am, right? Their, their, their capital is, is improved. Their receivables are, 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 are improved. They have staffing better than me. Their marketing's better than me. Their operations are better than me. All these things are ahead of me. And they're sitting down with at my table for my advice uh, my question is usually like, what do you need for me? How do you feel like I can add value to what you already have? Sounds like you have your stuff together. Uh, what could I actually do for you? Because you're willing to give up some equity in a company in exchange to a guy who is technically behind you in a lot of the metrics that I use to weigh out these comp you know, the companies that I have interest in. Um, so if you, you know, let's turn around and let me sit at your table, you look through my books and guess what you would do. You would actually feel a little bit better about your position. If you had something to compare it against that you're ahead of me, you know, if you're running a race and you see people behind you, you there's a metric for measuring that when you're doing a job or running a business, how do you measure how you're doing against other people against other things? Well, in business, it's tough to do that. You don't really know what you're doing, so, but there's, there's an objection in there. Somebody even has their stuff together as they're nitpicking what they're doing. She was trying to fire her worst offender that happened to be better than my best performer. And that's again, another very art, uh, abstract analogy, but you kind of get what I'm, I'm saying here. So as uh, you know, motivators, uh, best way for me then to get into a, uh, sort of like a helpful mode is I stop trying with laser focus to pick you, right? I don't want to name you go after you. What I want to do is I want to aim for people who are ready and I'm not going to judge that person in their readiness because if, if, if my main focus is finding people who are re ready to receive information, if they're at their best, uh, then there, there might be somebody that wants to motivate that's actually better at appealing to someone who's at their worst that doesn't, you know, I have information to sell. Maybe information is not what helps you. Maybe what helps you is security. Maybe what helps you is uh, understanding or conversationalist or, you know, having some chemistry with another person. Maybe that's not me. And so why would I try to sell a product that there's a, a better 
purveyor of product out there. So I'm not going to waste your time trying to save you using information when I think that's what you need. If what you're actually shopping for is something different than what I'm selling, I'm going to wait for that person to come save you. I'm looking for the person that my information is ready to help today. And that's a little less frustrating. So there's your moral for the story today. Now I'm going to start using the, this segment and I'm going to increase the time of these segments. So it was a 10 minute, which will probably turn into a 15 minute. And I'm going for a half hour starting next week where I'm going to have these shows be instead of single segment, these nice, easy uh, to digest morsels. I'm going to get more into a show format and uh, that's coming up on the horizon. So thank you everybody who's been downloading and subscribing to this podcast. I really appreciate you. Uh, this, uh, it, it really, it fills my heart a little bit with all the support that I get from you. You guys always come through no matter what product I end up putting together. So I thank you. So this is the Joe Danier podcast. See you next time.